0: Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the G- Gospel of Mark the second chapter. We have been uh, preaching a series of sermons over the last several weeks of God answers to man's needs. And today we're coming to one of the most challenging passages of scriptures found in the gospel I, as I look upon and I titled my message today: "Jesus is God's answers to man's dilemma." As you're turning there, I'd like for you to be much in prayer for me, as I will be leaving this coming Thursday to go to Romania. Uh, you remember Dr. DeGroote, and he had invited me to come to Romania and to teach at the seminary and to preach. And so I will be leaving Thursday, and we'll be returning back the following Thursday. And so I encourage you, if you would please, pray for us as we will be traveling during that time. With your Bibles open, I invite you to stand with me in Mark chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading about this paralytic, an individual that who had been lame from his birth. And there was a group of men that became very concerned over his condition. And they brought him to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read about that wonderful, wonderful story. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Speaking, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. That's one thing that you can always find that Jesus was faithful in doing, and that was preaching the word. He was a faithful preacher, and he always took the word of God, and he spoke with truth. And wisdom, the Bible says in verse three, then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was cared, carried by four men, and they could not come near him because of the crowd. They uncovered the roof where he was, so when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Can you imagine? <laughs> Here we are in a worship service. And the crowds were so strong and so large that you couldn't even get into the front door or the side doors or the back door. And then all of a sudden, ceiling tiles began to fall. All of a sudden, dust and dirt begins to fall in our midst. And then we look up and there are there is this man. And they're luring him down in a bed right in the center of our worship. Can you imagine such an experience? I believe it was probably one of the most exciting moments in the life of Jesus because he saw the faithfulness of these four men. That they're willing to do whatever that needed to be done to bring a man to the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what the Bible says. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemings like this? Who can forgive sin but God alone? But immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all so that they, that all were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. I believe we all could probably say that. We have never seen anything like this before. Oh, I would have loved to have been there that day. I would have loved to have seen the faces of the people of that congregation when that roof opened up and they lowered that paralytic down in the midst of those people. What an exciting moment when people are brought to the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever noticed this? Every time that someone is brought to Jesus, they're always changed. There's change physically and they're changed spiritually. And my friend, that's exactly what I believe God is trying to teach us here This morning, Father, in Jesus name, I am so excited about what you are able to do and what you did do through your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I'm excited about how these four men had such a burden and such a concern that they went out into the highways and to the byways and they found one that was in need. And they did everything that was possible of bringing that individual to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, teach us how we might have the same heart, have that same compelling spirit. Teach us, dear Lord, that we might be burdened over that same way. Lord, may the Spirit of God be upon us here today. May the Spirit may exalt Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. May you take the word of God and explain it to us as the great teacher can only do. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we pray that you'll touch hearts here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm reminded of a story. A story that I had read quite some time ago. And it was a couple in Alberta, Canada. It was a young couple. They had a a little two-year-old son. And they lived out on the farm. And they grazed and they had lived upon this farm of where there were literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres of wheat fields. One particular afternoon of during harvest time. They were just out celebrating their love and how much God had blessed them and God had honored them. And they were just reminiscing as they were talking out as they were walking through the wheat fields. And for a moment or two, they had forgotten that the little two-year-old was no longer in step with them. And they started looking around frantically, as you can imagine, for the sun was about, was almost at dusk and it was about to go under. And there, as they panicked, they started hollering out his name. Johnny, where are you? Johnny, Johnny, where are you? Sadly to say, no voice replied from their question. And it seems as if the mom and their dad had they had wandered away from each other to a, a point of where they realized that this was serious. Because the little boy only had a little small little jacket on. And during this particular time temperatures were going to drop fastly. And they knew that if he wasn't found early, that if he would staying out in the midst of that night air, that he could die of exposure. The father immediately raced down into the village of Alberta and he told the townspeople, he says, please come quickly, help me to find my little boy. And all the men and women came rushing toward the rescue because they knew every moment was important. And as they searched up and down those hundreds of acres of wheat fields, they cried out at the little boy's name, but yet in response, there was none. One of the townspeople said, listen, let's get organized. Let's join hands together and let's make a human chain. And let's go up and down these fields inch by inch, row by row until we find that little boy. Frantically, they had gathered together and they held their hands together and they went up and down, up and down the rows of... Those wheat fields, way early in the morning, they heard a cry out, "I found him!" Sadly to say, that was the lifeless little boy, his body, who had died from exposure of the night. Grown men wept like babies. And finally, one man said, I would to God that we had joined our hands together sooner to find that lost little boy. Every time I hear that story or I tell that story, I think about of all the lost little boys, lost little girls, lost men and women that is in our world today. Would to God that we as churches and we as children of God would join our hands together and to go up and down the highways and the byways and to find that lost individual. God has compelled us He has commended us and called us as a church, as individuals, to find those cripples that are out there in this world. That story reminds me of the story that we find here in the second chapter of the Gospel of Mark. And there are several things that I want you to notice as we begin to study this passage of Scripture about how this paralytic... A man that who had been paralyzed as a child from his birth. A man that who was in great need. And, and you'll notice that there was a problem that hindered this man from coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. A problem that hindered So many people today are coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, sadly to say is that many times we are the problem. And we need to look at this. You'll notice in verse 3, the Bible talks about that this man had a sick condition. He was paralyzed. He was a cripple. He was lame incapable of coming to the Lord Jesus Christ by Himself. I wonder today how many people out there today in our society and in our world are wanting to come to Jesus but they're incapable of coming by themselves because of their condition. I'm reminded of a story back in the Old Testament about a man by a name of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was a young man by Solomon. He was Solomon's son. And if you'll go back and you read the story, that when he was a child, that his nursemaid was running with him and fell and crushed his legs as she was carrying that little child. In other words, he was crippled In a fall. Every one of us, my friend, have been crippled in a fall. The fall of Adam. The fall of Eve. Our ancestors, as they had sinned against God. And their their children had been condemned by that disease of sin. And you see that condition. And the Bible says that in verse 5, that this man's primary needs was not only a physical need, but his was a spiritual need. Look what the Bible says in verse 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. There's real people out there today that are lost and dying and going to hell. And so many times we as believers, we get so wrapped up within our own little world that we forget the lost and we forget about the spiritual conditions of mankind. And I think it's time for the church to wake up. We're like a spiritual giant. Asleep in the midst of the darkness of the hour that we're living in today. But you'll notice that This man's problem was not only hindered by his spiritual sickness or his sick condition, but because of the selfish crowd. I think it's interesting as you look at this crowd, Jesus was in the middle of this, uh, this house. And people had come and they'd gathered all over the place to come and to hear Jesus teach and to preach. The Bible says in verse 2, immediately many gathered together so that there were no longer room room to receive them. Not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. And then you'll notice down in verse 4. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So that when they had broken through, they let down the bed on the paralytic was lying. The doors was filled and jammed full of people. People were everywhere and they had filled every seat. Now, you stop and think about it for a moment. They had to walk by, no doubt, this lame man. This lame man was probably, was not a stranger to them. They had watched him and seen him, but you know, they were more interested in seats than they were souls. I tell you what, that, that, that convicts me and it convicts our church. We're so interested in our own seat that we're not as interested of that lost person coming in that is needing a seat. Why, if you'd get somebody's seat today, they're about ready to take you to court and, and sue you over that. My friend, I want you to understand that these seats are a place for lost people that are needing to know Christ as our Lord and Savior. Who is willing to give up their seat for a lost man? And this is what the Bible is talking about. But not so here. Not so here. They were, it was here was an army keeping its wounded from the infirmary. Here, as you'll notice, the crowd was more concerned about their own needs than they were about the needs of someone else. So therefore, you'll notice the problem that hindered was the sick condition of him. Also because of the selfish crowd. But also, look with me in verse 7. There were some sour critics. The Bible said, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sin but God alone? The scribes and the Pharisees were there, were seeming to be the biggest hindrance. Criticizing what was going on. You know, there are some people's main agenda for coming to church is to criticize. They're not as interested in the Word being preached as they're interested of it's too hot in the church or it's too cold or the choir sung too loud or we sung too long or we sung not enough of the... Uh, traditional songs, and we sung too many of the contemporary songs. And next thing you know, we're one right after another, after another, after another, criticizing what's going on at the church instead of being concerned about of praising the Lord within the church. It amazes me how some people just love to criticize And immediately after the service, they go home or they go out to eat and they have preacher for dinner. Well, if you want to criticize, my friend, there's enough to criticize about. But I would suggest to you, before you start cleaning off somebody else's doorstep, you start cleaning off your own doorstep. Friend, I just want you to understand. One of the greatest hindrances in in many churches today is the critics of that church. You say, well, pastor, you must be having problems within the church. No, I'm not. This is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not having any problems, but I'm just telling you, our church is just like any church, and that is that you've got your critics. And I'd hate to be known to be a critic within my church see somebody walk down the road or see somebody at the store or see somebody somewhere and say, oh yeah, that's so and so. He likes to criticize. God help us. But I want you to see something else here. Not only do you see the problems that hindered this man from coming to Jesus, but I want you to see the people who helped this man For coming to Jesus. That's the positive aspect of this passage of scripture. I don't know who these four men are. But I guarantee you that man found out who they were. I don't know where they came from. But they came from somewhere because they were concerned about this lame man. We learned some valuable lessons from them. They were very concerned. The very step for sharing is caring. They were so concerned that they were willing to share their time, their energy, their effort, whatever the situation needed to be that was rise to the occasion, they were willing to give to it. They weren't like the Boy Scout I heard that was late for the Boy Scout meeting. The scoutmaster said, uh, son, why are you late for the uh, the uh, meeting tonight? He said, well, I was helping a, a lady across the street. He said, well, that's wonderful. He says, but why did it take you so long? She didn't want to go across the street. <laughs> well, here was a lame man wanted and needed to get to Jesus. And they cared enough to go and to get this man. My friend, let me ask you a question. When's the last time that you cared enough that you even invited somebody to come to the house of the Lord? Much less brought them to the house of the Lord. One of the most exciting moments of the week should be on a Sunday morning when you've had an opportunity somewhere, somehow, During that week, you have approached an individual and said, Hey, how about coming to the house of God? There's somebody I'd like for you to meet. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what would happen if every single person that's under the sound of my voice this morning would invite one, much less bring one to church next Sunday morning? We would be in the same condition that there would be no room to even find a seat. Every empty pew, my friend, is a symbol of a lost soul that is needing to hear the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here we find they were concerned. When's the last time that you were so concerned over a lost person. And as I'm pointing a finger to you, I've got three pointing back at me. When's the last time I have woke up in the middle of the night, broken hearted, so consumed with the fact that real people, my neighbors, loved ones, are dying and going to hell. And when's the last time I've called their name out to the Lord Jesus Christ? When's the last time I knocked on their door and said, Come and let me share with you the great news of the gospel. These men were concerned. But they were not only concerned, they were combined. The Bible says that there were four of them. Now it's just one had failed to fulfill his responsibility they probably could not have gotten that guy to the church or to that house. But it took all four, one at each corner. They were combined an effort. My friend, that's what's so marvelous about the body of Christ. That's what's so marvelous about how God has gifted the body of Christ. He's given you certain gifts and He's given me certain gifts and He brings us together as one body. And as we are brought as one body, we are to fulfill one purpose. What is the purpose of our church? It's to glorify God. And that's how do we glorify God? By bringing people that are lost and undone to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We might as well shut our doors, my friend, if we ever lose that objective. That those baptismal waters are not flooding week after week after week. We've got a problem, my friend. It's not a place for spider webs. But it's a place where lost souls are being born into the kingdom and washed in the blood, and they are walked into that observance of the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were combined. You've seen the V shape of the ducks as they fly. It's amazing. What I had learned that uh, some expert of aerodynamics says that when they fly, that one gets in the front and he flaps his wings as the others are able to follow likewise, until he gets tired. And when he gets tired, he leaves the front and he goes to the back, and another one steps up. He says, what's so amazing about that aerodynamics that the force of those ducks, as they are flying together, that they can go 71% farther together, than they can by themselves. 71%. Do you see what God is saying to us today of how much we can do more together than we can by individually? That's why, as a church family, we need to realize that we are dependent upon, certainly of the Holy Spirit, but also upon each other. And as we come together, we fulfill our responsibilities that we can do far, far, far more for the gospel. We're approaching Lottie Moon and we're approaching of sharing our gifts. But let's not forget, my friend, God's not wanting us just to share our gifts. He wants us to share our testimony. He wants us to go and to share, not only across the waters, but across the street. He wants us to be obedient. Here, these men, they were concerned, they were combined, but they were constrained. Whatever the price may be, whatever the cost, Here they are. They go try to go through the front door. They try to go through the back door. Try to go through the windows. And they could not get this man in that house. Because there were so many people. One of the guys says, I've got an idea. Let's go up on top of the roof. Let's dig a hole through the roof. I like that. Whatever the cost may be, they're willing to pay. We've got attitudes of people today, whatever the cost may be, I'm willing to do it as long as it doesn't cost me. But you know what? They were not ashamed of what they were doing. I remember here a, a while back, I was going through the Atlanta airport. And uh, there was this elderly man standing right outside of the, one of the trams. And he was holding up a sign. And the sign says, Repent! That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I remember seeing that man and I was rather impressed. He was shabbily dressed. But I got to looking and there were other people that were staring at him and laughing at him. I went up to him and I shook his hand and I said, God bless you, sir. He said, sir, he says, I'm 85 years old. And he says, God has placed upon my heart a desire to see every man come to know Jesus That's my as his Lord and Savior. I thought, wow. I wish I was brave enough to do what he did. You know the reason why we don't witness? So many of us is because we're ashamed to. So many of us are, are not only ashamed, but we're afraid of what somebody's going to say about us. We're afraid of how somebody's going to reject us. But that man there at that airport, he wasn't afraid. I thought, my goodness, I wish I was that bold. These men were bold. They were constrained to the point of whatever it took. They were willing to pay the price. They were consumed. They were so consumed. They actually cut a hole. You know what? would happen today if that would happen in our church? You know one of the very first questions would be? Who's going to pay for the roof? (laughs) Who's going to clean up the mess? Instead of thinking, wow, what an opportunity that God sent this man And they did not allow anything to hinder them from bringing him to the Lord Jesus Christ. They were combined. They were constrained. They were consumed. But I want you to see one last thing. We talked about for a few moments the problems that hindered this man. Sick condition. The sour critics. The selfish crowd. We talked about the people who helped this man of coming to bring him to the Lord. But I want you to see one of the most important aspects of this passage of Scripture. And that is the person who healed this man. They brought this man to Jesus. Now, I want you to notice something. They didn't bring him to the religious leaders. They didn't bring him to church. They brought him to Jesus. Jesus was preaching. And I want you to notice the way he heals the sickness. Now, they couldn't bring every cripple, but they did bring a cripple. I hear people say, there's literally billions of people. I can't bring them all. No, but you can bring one. I can bring one. Heard about a guy one time was walking along the seashore right after a major storm had come and there was literally thousands of starfish that had been thrown up on the shoreline. And there was a man going by and he was picking up those starfish and he was throwing them into the water. A guy came up to him and says, what are you doing? He says, I'm throwing the starfish back into the water. He said, well, you can't do it all. He says, no, but I can do it for this one. And he picks him up and he throws the starfish and he says, I'm sure it matters to this individual. I think about lost souls, that they are individuals. I heard a terrible story the other week. There was a terrible, terrible accident. And there was a man trapped in his truck. And the truck was caught on fire. And they were not able to rescue the guy to safety until the fire began to consume him. And the witnesses of that terrible accident said the man cried out, I'm on fire. I'm burning. I'm burning. I'm burning. And one of the witnesses said, I'll never get that, those words out of my mind. I'm burning. If we could ever get a glimpse of real people lost, and dying, and going to hell. The Bible says, they're burning. They're on fire. If we do not go and try to rescue the perishing, and care for the dying, who will? Who will? Jesus heals this man of his sickness. But I want you to see something in verse 5. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but I've underlined it in my Bible in verse 5. Verse 5 says, When Jesus saw their faith. He didn't say that when he saw the paralytic faith, but when he saw the faith of the men, when he saw the faith of these four guys, Jesus said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. What an awesome responsibility. Because of the faith of these men, God through His Son, Jesus Christ, healed this man, not only physically, but most importantly, healed him spiritually. Heard a story one time that was this man over in England. Went to his pastor and told his pastor, he says, I have drawn cold And weary in my faith. What can you suggest that would draw me closer to the Lord and closer to the lost? Without any hesitation, the pastor said, I've got a place for you to go. It's at the art gallery. The caretaker of the art gallery will meet you there and he's going to take you and he's going to show you this specific picture. The guy went to the art gallery and the pastor had called ahead of time to the caretaker and told the caretaker what he was doing. And told him to go and take him to this particular picture. There's a picture of Christ on the cross. As the guy walks in... Into the room, he sees this picture of Christ on the cross. And it was one of the most grotesque looking pictures you can imagine. It was almost hard to picture it. And the man says, I don't understand. The caretaker says, Oh, you must come closer. And you must get lower. The guy gets, comes a little bit closer. And then he gets a little bit lower. The guy says, I still don't understand. He says, you must come closer and you must get lower. And he did that about two or three times until the next thing you knew, he was literally on his stomach looking up at the picture. Which were the artists had drawn and painted the picture from. That if you really want to get a proper view of the cross and the purpose of the cross, you got to come closer and you got to get a lot lower. That's our problem, friend. We are too too fill, too much filled with pride. We're too much self-centered. We have drawn cold and callous. And because of that, if we go through the motions on a Sunday morning, we think we've done God a favor. But I challenge you today, my friend, come a little bit closer. Get a little bit lower until you find yourself at the foot of the cross looking up And seeing the tremendous price that was paid for your sins and for mine. When you see that, and it really makes an impact upon your life, you can't keep quiet about it. You've got to go and tell somebody. And you must be willing to be like one of these four. Whatever the cost is, I'm willing to pay the price. Lord Jesus, help us to have a heart for lost people. Help us to be concerned about our community. Help us, dear Lord, to come to the cross and get a proper perspective of that cross. Lord, I believe I'm talking to individuals right now that immediately they can think of individuals. Could be a son, could be a daughter, could be a husband, could be a wife, could be a mother, could be a father, an aunt or an uncle, a co-worker, a fellow student. It could be someone that we come in contact with every single day that we know that is lost. Help us to be one of these men. Be compelled, be constrained, combined to bring them to Jesus Christ. May the Spirit of God speak to our hearts here today. Lord, they might be someone here today like that paralytic They came and they came searching. They came because of their condition. That they're broken and they're lame. And they're immobile. But they want to come to Jesus. Oh dear God, speak in a way that we will be compelled to go in the highways and the byways. For we ask this in Jesus' name.